Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined, of course, by Eric Trexler. How are you doing this week, Eric? Doing well, Erica. This one is going to blow our listeners' minds. <laughs> yeah, this is what we call in the podcast world a, a good get. We have a, great, <laughs> we have a great guest today. So we are really excited to welcome Peter W. Singer to the podcast today. He is a strategist at New America and author of an upcoming book that's actually being released today. Um, so this is breaking news for our listeners. It, it's titled Burn In, A Novel of the Real Robotic Revolution. How are you doing, Peter? I'm hanging in there like everyone else. Thanks so much for having me. Peter, I would actually call you a futurist in my mind, based on what I've read of you and, and, and all of your content. It's amazing. Oh, appreciate that. I, you know, I wear a couple of hats uh, and, and this book really hits it. I, I work in the realms of uh, nonfiction and, and fiction. So I've done books on uh, cybersecurity and most recently a book looking at um, information warfare, uh, disinformation campaigns and social media, but then also played with uh, these books in the fiction realm. Uh, we did one in the past looking at what it, it's called Ghost Fleet, yep. looked at what a future war would be like, uh, and Burn In um, is the new one that brings these two worlds together. Well, I hope you don't mind, but and I so hope you miss it, not hit it, because it's a very scary world that you're writing about. Well, I was going to say, I think what you're writing about, about is it's the reality is, is the, it's reality, right? It, it, we would like it to be escapism, but now it is truly, some of it is uh, <laughs> the world that we live in. Well, so the, actually the very title of the book plays with that. So uh, for people with a technical background, they'll recognize that a burn-in is when you push something to the breaking point in order to learn from it. So, you know, if we're, we're making a joke back to a great old movie, it's when you play the stereo speakers up to 11 to see how long they can play before they break. Um, or, you know, you take a new watch, how, how deep can it dive? So that's the title of the book, but that's also what the book is. It's a new kind of book. It's a blend of a techno thriller and nonfiction. Uh, so you follow a FBI agent as she hunts for a terrorist through the streets of Washington, D.C. of the future. So it's a, hopefully a fun, entertaining story. She's also relevant to the listeners of this show, following a new kind of criminal who's mm -hmm. going after, in particular, um, IoT vulnerabilities. We could talk further about that. So he's carrying out kinds of crimes that have never been possible before. But baked into that story are over 300 explanations and predictions with the in-note references to show, no, this is the reality of it. So it might be a tiny detail um, when a certain um, a six-rotor drone flies overhead, the footnote to know, you know, Singer didn't dream this up. Here's Amazon's patent for it. Mm -hmm. Or it might be a cybersecurity vulnerability when the bad guy um, does something. We want to watch our plot spoils here. Here's the footnote to the actual vulnerability. Here's where someone showed that you could do this. I'm a parent. It's like uh, sneaking veggies into the morning. <laughs> like, like the cauliflower mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. So I, a little tastier. I, hope. I have a question. In the, in the, uh, the postscript to the book, 
you have a section that actually made it into the beginning of the Congressional Cyberspace Solarium Commission report. Is that accurate? Yes. It, and this was actually from uh, tomorrow. Yeah. And it hits this, this idea of bringing together fiction and nonfiction. Uh, you have as the opening to the Cyber Solarium uh, Commission report, which, you know, is this massive report that aims to essentially recreate U.S. cyber strategy for the next couple of decades. Really important um, effort. The prelude to it, the opening of it, is actually a story. Uh, and it's a story drawn from Burnin, uh, where it's written from the perspective of a congressional staffer in the future who's looking out on Washington, D.C., plot spoil, uh, where lots of really bad things have just happened because of cyber attacks that we didn't um, d deal with, uh, and cyber attacks going um, after all sorts of critical infrastructure, um, but not the boring old story of, oh, the power grid's going to go out. You know, actually, um, the water system here is, uh, oof, some, some major things there. But so it's written from the perspective of that congressional staffer who is filled with regret as they sit down to write cybersecurity legislation in the wake of a massive catastrophe and saying, you know, gosh, I wish I had listened to all these prior reports that came out. Uh, and so it's a fictional story, but it's pulled from the real world research of both burn-in and also the Solarium Commission, even down to that regret, it pulls legislative language from right after 9-11. Um, and so the idea is to put the reader in that position of, I better pay attention because I don't want to have the same experience of those people right after 9-11 who went, you know, why didn't we act earlier? Mm -hmm. Why didn't we pay attention to the things that we were told? Uh, and so it's, again, it hits this idea of melding nonfiction. These things can happen or they already did happen and fiction connecting to that emotion. Um, and so the idea is to make it um, more likely to be read and more likely to be paid attention to. And so we did that with the commission and we're also doing that here with Bernie. I found it fascinating. The end of it talks about, not to spoil it, but the United States being the nation that invented and became dependent on the internet. Whereas we grew too accustomed to digital interference in our society. And it talks about all these things that happen. And then it ends with, now, therefore, be it resolved that by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, that the government of the United States must. And the next line, Erica, is must what? <laughs> Peter. So, so tell us, Peter, must. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is, is it also, though, has a little tiny number at the end of it, which is the footnote reference to that is pulled from the actual language of the legislation right after 9-11. So it's not us dreaming it up. Mm -hmm. It's literally, this is the language of in the wake of some kind of catastrophe, you're going to be writing legislation like this. Do you want to be stuck of the person asking themselves, must what? And then we get to the next part, which is the Solarium Commission says, okay, here's what. Here's all the things that we recommend. That we must do. Yeah, that you can put into place right now to try and avoid that nightmare scenario. So it kind of goes back to what you know you were kind saying. You know, you're a futurist. Actually, what we're hoping, um, what they were hoping, is that it's not an act of prediction, 
but an act of prevention by exploring a certain world, by exploring a nightmare scenario. Yeah, you, you give people the entertainment. You give them the, you know, I stayed up late, up late at night reading it, but you also get this, okay, what ought I do so that I don't have to face this kind of situation? And, you know, in Burnin, we try and hit that from the large macro societal level um, all the way down to the someone working on the business side. Uh, so if we think about um, IoT, uh, how IoT is going to change um, all the different applications, it's going to change um, how companies operate, it's going to change your home, it's going to change the way you relate to your kids. Uh, it's going to lead to a lot of incredible positive things. It's one of the best ways to deal with climate change. It's going to save a lot of money, but Oh, by the way, we're making all of the same mistakes that we made with, uh, the internet and its security, you know, 20 years ago, we're baking in so many different vulnerabilities right now. And that means that we, uh, need to think about a very different type of cyber threat. It's not just going to be people stealing secrets, whether it's email, whether it's intellectual property, whether it's credit card information, it's going to be increasingly cyber attacks that cause physical change in the world, uh, some kind of physical damage, whether it was the early version of this with Stuxnet to um, ransomware. Is ransomware going to just be holding files hostage or will it, as we explore in the book, be holding things hostage? And it might be an operational system at your business. It might be a city bus that's largely automated. Um, and so the point is that we've played out this scenario, but here we have the footnote to the ransomware report on it. And then you get to your must. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Well, I need to plan for not just the best day, but the worst day. So I'm more likely to have the best day. And that might be at the micro level. What am I doing about vulnerability to the macro level? How are we um, thinking about this in our overall strategy? While, while we're touching on the Slurium um, Commission report, um, I was reading today that they are actually looking at making new recommendations because COVID has um, exposed already different threats that I think weren't, you know, just thought of or anticipated. So as we look to the future and even thinking about, um, you know, using the past, but it's like, you know, the, the, the present, it can quickly already be out of date, right, when we're thinking about cybersecurity and the things that we do have to prepare for. Yeah, one of the things that um, has been particularly striking for us is how the trends that we were looking at um, have been drastically accelerated by the pandemic. So when you think about the forces of uh, automation, artificial intelligence, IoT, they were, they were already in play. And the same thing when we think about various cybersecurity threats from those areas, they were already happening, but they've all been accelerated and in some senses um, jumpstarted. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, we've had um, one generation thrown into remote work at a level no one thought would ever happen. Mm -hmm. Another generation thrown into distance learning um, we've seen application of AI automation uh, into fields that range from, you know, telemedicine is at a level right now, which we didn't think would be for about 10 years. Um, 
uh, AI tracking of um, individuals and, and big data for society writ large, we're exploring um, a layout that was not even thought of in, in the, the most extreme of science fiction. Robotics used in everything from um, policing of curfews via drones to uh, cleaning subways and streets. Um, in the book, uh, the opening of Burnin, one of the little tiny details on the side is a uh, wheeled robot that drives down the street. It seems really futuristic. That system has actually been deployed in Washington, D.C. already to deliver groceries. One of the characters in the book is um, the husband of the main character who's doing remote work and it's having an effect on his marriage, his own sense of self, even his politics. We've all been thrown into that right now, right? So, um, but the challenge in the circles back to something that everybody is dealing with in cybersecurity is all of those issues, that, that acceleration, um, it also means all the business, political, security issues that we would have had these years to work through they all just got accelerated. And um, that's where, why you're seeing you know, some major challenges right now, but even more so we need to think, okay, the decisions that we're making right now in a crisis, we're gonna have to live with them for the long term. So we better be really thoughtful about it. Exactly. I, I was actually on, on May 10th listening to Face the Nation and Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google, said we made 10 years of progress in the past two months. And I found that fascinating. But but how do we live with those decisions? But, you know, let's amend it. It's, it's progress, but it also means peril. It's that, it's that twin nature yeah. of every kind of technology, you know, whether it was the very first stone picked up to the internet itself, you're going to get all of these wonderful, cool, great applications. That's why we use it. But, oh, by the way, there's going to be all sorts of ripple effects for, you know, good and bad. And there's also going to be new vulnerabilities, particularly for people who work on the cybersecurity side. And we're going to spend a lot of time cleaning up after them. And, you know, hopefully we're a little more thoughtful about it. Uh, and and that's, that's one of the values of doing that kind of future look, but doing it in a way that's not boring so that uh, people can, you know, enjoy it on their side time to leaders who aren't going to read a um, white paper may well pick up a novel and get get that value the same way. Well, let's hope so. No, but, but you're right. I mean, we, we made these changes, but laws didn't change. There's no legislation. Hell, the courts are closed in most cases, right? So there's a whole bunch of, of I don't want to call it baggage, but componentry of American society and, and globally even that didn't come with the change of work from home. And, and didn't come with the change of telemedicine. And, and oh, by the way, it isn't like, you know, do you remember that sort of early first couple of days of this where it was like, well, we're hopeful that, um, you know, threat actors are going to respect uh, the crisis that we're all going through. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. no. They, Don't get me started there. No, they're like, no, we got to feed our families it. too. So they, and they're going after this too. And, um, and it also, and so we've seen an acceleration of all that. And it's the same thing as we move into all of these great new applications, um, whether it's uh, uh, smart homes 
all the way up to how we're planning to um, automate uh, aspects of critical infrastructure, um, you know, whether it's water, water treatment systems, uh, whether we're thinking about the uh, military side of this, you're going to do it. It's going to have great value. Threat actors are also going to be going after it. So let's game that out. Let's explore it. And oh, by the way, let's try and um, close off some of those vulnerabilities before they get there. It's, um, it's what we think about with red teaming. This is just another form of doing it. It's, I, I, I don't want to keep quoting you, but I read your 20, uh, 20, 2030 future prediction in the New York Times. You, along with a lot of other uh, really brilliant people, but you, you talk about the transition to an autonomous, always watching us Internet of Things will be bumpy. The economy, politics, and even family life will struggle to master a world of ever more intelligent systems that operate in ways we understand less and less. That, that line blew me away. Oh, thanks. We're, we're, we're doing more and more. We're doing it faster and faster, Erica, but we understand it less and less. To me, my mind went to, there's even less control now. And I think we see that, we see that in information systems. We're in the time of coronavirus right now, but, but Peter, I mean, we're seeing that in disinformation campaigns. We're seeing that in attacks on, on, on labs and, and the vaccine manufacturing. I mean, things are moving fast and people do not have a good handle on how to, how to deal with the technology advancements. And what, what are your thoughts there as, as somebody who's written and researched on this? So it's interesting. There's a um, term that people describe of uh, AI, that it's a black box. And the way it's normally talked about is that the very value of uh, AI is that it works in ways that we humans uh, can't wrap our heads around. Uh, it works in ways that are hard for us to understand and that it comes to conclusions. It comes to insights uh, that we wouldn't come up with on our own. That's why we are turning to it increasingly. And again, that might be AI applied into um, cybersecurity bug hunting, uh, or it might be AI applied into uh, looking for coronavirus treatments. It might be AI applied into education for your kids. That's the black box part of it is uh, at its very nature. It's part of why we use it. But there's also the fact that it's a black box that we don't understand means um, first that sometimes it comes to conclusions and uh, we really don't know why. And maybe they're not the ideal conclusions. Uh, one issue that we explore in the book is um, algorithmic bias. Uh, and you know, every, there, we've seen this, if anyone's ever um, followed their uh, GPS and it's given you wrong directions and you're like, I know I'm not supposed to go this way, but the machine is telling me to go this way. Um, you've experienced that too. We've seen larger, uh, worse versions of that in, um, for example, uh, treat, they, they, one study uh, was um, they were using AI to sift through who should get loans from a bank. Um, and it ended up being racist. It was not giving African-Americans loans at the same rate. No one had told the AI to be racist, but that was the outcome of what it was recommending because of this issue of us not understanding the way that it works. So we have this challenge of AI that um, it's out there, it's being used, it's shaping our world, but we also don't well understand it. And there's an added aspect to this that's a real big issue that we try and go after in the book, 
is that um, it seems like it's something going to be way out in the future. For example, mm -hmm. uh, the Secretary of the Treasury said that AI and automation, and you could wrap into this IoT, is something that we don't have to, um, it's not on his, quote, radar screen, because it's not going to be an issue for, his quote was, 50 to 100 years, end quote. That's crazy. <laughs> it's playing out right now, let alone 50 to 100 years. Come on. So um, we've got to start to understand wow. it. And we've also got to think thoughtfully about it. And again, it matters whether you are a senator, you're a CEO, or you're just working in you know, a sock and thinking about how am I going to apply this to, oh, by the way, how you're thinking about it as it plays out in your home, uh, how it plays out for your kids, their smart toys. Well, if it adds to your credibility or maybe yeah. takes away from his, they, uh, they're still sending treasury checks out to deceased people at this point. From what I'm reading. <laughs> well, but you, you know, do have to send them I'm back. I'm not sure the treasure <laughs> down, Erica. The, the other thing he said was, um, uh, if you'll recall, related to this was, uh, what was it, that, that people could live on $1,200 for 10 weeks, I think it was. And you're like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> well, you can in 1840. Yeah. So, so Peter, when you do look towards the future as a futurist, I mean, you know, you've made these predictions. I mean, what, what, what do you really put your odds on? What do you think um, we will see in terms of just... Uh, you know, innovation, security, all of these things, technology, AI, machine learning <laughs> in the next 10 years or so. So there, it's interesting to me, it's important the way you go about it. Uh, and um, so I actually think of uh, the, the parallel of um, if you're looking at a system that had a stove and a tea kettle on top of it, um, with all of our advanced science today, you could not predict the individual behavior of the molecules in that tea kettle, the, the water itself. So if you're trying to make these sort of micro predictions at that level, good luck. Mm -hmm. But if you were looking at that system, you would say, is the heat on? Knowing that if enough heat is applied to that tea kettle, so that's your trend at some point, those water molecules are going to turn to steam, right? And that doesn't mean that's a definitive thing that's going to happen. Um, your kid could come along and knock the tea kettle over. But the point is, if you're looking at that system you, and you're trying to predict the future, you would say, what are the key trends that are out there? Rather than trying to be micro about it, you know, is the heat on? So when we look at our world today, I think it's um, – fairly, you know, we can identify most of these trends that are out there. It might, well, you know, one trend is, is that we're talking about is automation. Oh, by the way, it's a trend that works for both good and bad. So we will see both good and bad actors deploying this into their craft and in cybersecurity. You know, we, we can already talk about that. Another trend that's out there is the challenge of trust. Um, and we think about trust is interpersonal trust. You know, I like you, I trust you. But uh, for engineers, trust is really, does it work according to your expectations? So for example, um, I can trust that someone is a liar. I may not trust them, but I can trust that they're a liar and then operate well in a world where I know they're always going to lie to me. And so that issue of trust, I think another key um, again, it, it cuts across whether the challenges in our society right now to cybersecurity threats so much are not just about going after vulnerabilities. 
They're about going after trust, creating distrust in the system. So that theme of, of trust is another big one that's out there. Um, I, you know, somewhat related to that is um, the the challenge of um, truth under siege. Uh, or another way of framing is is we're in a world where um, virality trumps veracity. And when we think about whether you're talking about um, elections, Say it enough, it almost becomes true. Uh, coronavirus treatment, right? Right. Yeah, it's more yeah. important that it goes viral than it actually be true. It doesn't mean that the the, the, the truth can go viral, but it's the virality of it that gives it the impact on the world. And so that means, you know, again, whether you are thinking about defending um, American elections to your thinking about defending your company from cyber threats, you need to think about not just the someone getting inside my network, but also how is someone going to drive something viral about my organization or my leadership uh, that that is a form of attack right now. Um, you, you can see this hitting, again, it might be an election. Is the threat someone stealing an email or is the threat mm-hmm. someone uh, you know, running thousands of false front accounts to drive false information? Or if you're running a company, is the threat someone um, stealing the CEO's email or is the threat someone um, organizing an online campaign to spread misinformation about the company to drive down the share price? And I'm not giving made-up examples. We've seen these kind of attacks, of course, hit elections, um, more than 30 democracies around the world, not just the U.S., but, you know, uh, Poland, U.K., you name it. It's a global same thing. Corp- yeah, and same thing corporate side. Uh, corporations, um, Nike got hit by a campaign like this. Um, Toyota got hit by another campaign like this. And so, again, it, it's, it's this idea of um, you're asking, you know, What's, what do we pay attention to? We pay attention to these new trends um, and then you, you, know, you game them out and you say, how am I vulnerable to them? What am I doing to respond to them? Uh, what am I doing to prepare to prevent them? Or in situations that I can't prevent them, what am I doing to build resilience? Uh, and again, that, that's whether you're thinking about your company cybersecurity network or you're thinking about national cybersecurity uh, you want to be building in more and more resilience. How do you sleep at night studying these topics, recognizing you have very little control over their outcomes? <laughs> uh, not well sometimes, <laughs> to be honest. In the it's going to be scary as hell. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, honestly, um, the there's so much else juggling that, that we're all dealing with right now. Uh, you know, so... Um, Yes, I'm 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 out there trying to promote a book, but I'm also trying to score uh, paper towels. <laughs> you know? um, Priorities, right? These these are these are the the new challenges that we're all dealing with right now. Um, but it, it is what it is. Peter, how long did this this book take? I know it's not your first one. Uh, we started on this um, about four years back. Wow, and it was because it's uh, that blend of fiction and nonfiction. So the nonfiction side, you're doing you know classic research. You're you're gathering um, vulnerability studies, or you're doing uh, interviews with people. And 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 you all and your listeners know this. That's where you really get some of the good stuff. Um, you know, I remember I was talking to a water systems engineer, uh, and he he talked through 
all the uh, vulnerabilities um, that, you know, would, the things that kept him uh, up late at night that, you know, were, at least he knew of them. Well, and that, that's a lot of people are like, yeah, we're fine. We've done it this way the whole time. Well, he was more kind of, um, it was the tone of like, they knew about it. I warned them about it, but they, they're not dealing with it. And if someone doesn't, this is going to be a really, really bad problem. Um, actually what was funny is, uh, so his wife was in the background and he particularly identified, um, four vulnerabilities that uh, if you could go after, you could um, essentially flood a large portion of Washington, D.C. Uh, for your listeners who want to get a sense of what that looks like. What's um, up, Erica? Stay on the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> Google 1936 Washington, D.C. flood, and you can see what can be created through cyber means. And, and his wife is in the background and, and she yells out, you don't know him that well. Don't tell him which for. Um, <laughs> so, so you, so you get, you know, you do that kind of um, research, but then at the same time, you're doing the fictional side, you're doing the mm-hmm. world building, you're, you're creating the characters, you're creating the, um, the scenes, the, the little details. And, and hopefully the back and forth of that makes it um, a lot more entertaining, but also informative. So um, you know, one of the little details, uh, what's the rug like in the white house situation room, you know, how thick it is. Um, mm. and that's a, that's a cool thing for someone, um, on the nonfiction side, but it's also one of those little details that sells the scene. Um, right. and keeps so, them interesting. So, so what yeah. is it like, <laughs> you're going to leave us hanging? <laughs> There's, well, it's actually it, like, you know, so what you actually follow the character and, and I've had this experience of, you know, first you're in the, the old executive office building mm-hmm. where the national security council is and the floors there, um, your shoes squeak mm-hmm. and, and you part of, and I had this and so we carried through the character, um, you, you, because you're an outsider, you're thinking in your head, Oh, or do they hear my shoes squeaking? Like, you know, Oh, and you try and change how you're walking right. to make them not squeak so much. Um, then you get, you cross over from the asphalt in between, uh, the old building and then the white house. Uh, and then in the white house, it's, um, thick carpet. Uh, and, um, it has sort of this old feel around it, of course. And it, it's, a. uh, you know, the thick carpet is to muffle the, the noise. It's mm-hmm. also because the feel of the White House is um, in some places more like being in your grandmother's house. You know, all the, the, the portraits and, and the like um, are, of course, you know, older. Uh, and so your, your shoes don't squeak there. Everything's muffled. Nice. So my last question for you, you, you wrote Burn In, multi-year project. You had no idea, well, maybe you did, that COVID-19 was going to hit us. Does the book apply in the, in the modern world as we're all dealing with COVID-19? I think it does. And um, there's been some really kind reviews that have pointed that out. Uh, just an aside, we have the uh, strangest collection of early reviewers of, I, I think, any book because of this, this cross. So, you know, we've got, you know, what, on the cybersecurity side, you know, former heads of, of cyber command saying this is useful um, and, and, and tech leaders saying this is useful, but we also have like the creator of Lost and Watchmen, uh, which are people who don't normally, you know, read the same stuff. Um, it's going to be useful in your movie rights. <laughs> Just hang on to that one. From, from your lips to Hollywood's ears. Um, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. As soon as Hollywood gets back to work, I don't think they're working right now, but they may be reading scripts. So listen up, Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. If you, if you are particularly uh, listening to this podcast, which would be another sort of interesting cross. Um, 
But uh, one of the kindest um, said uh, that it was escapist and relevant. And that's a really kind of, um, you know, you wouldn't have normally talked about that mix, but that mix seems more important now more than ever. And, you know, hitting both those parts, escapist, this is not a book about a pandemic. Uh, so you can read it, you can enjoy it, but relevant, relevant because of what we were speaking about, relevant because of the trends that are playing out right now, in particular, our response to coronavirus and the world that we're going to have as a result of it, greater automation, greater use of AI, but also greater distrust, um, systems being thrown out there rapidly, which means we haven't worked out their effect, whether it's a social political effect to the cybersecurity vulnerabilities that were baked in. Uh, I think and I hope the book particularly speaks to the challenges that come for us over not just the next few weeks, but the next few years. But my hope is that it does it in a way that's entertaining, escapist, but also informative. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Well, th thank you, Peter. My last question is, are you working on the next book? <laughs> <laughs> right, look, right. No, he's going to get he's going to get paper towels <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That maybe does factor in as the next book about <laughs> life and uh, during a pandemic, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, what, what, what's the next book? Uh, that op security reasons can't can't share it fully. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it, it hell it, it may be um you know not just where to get paper towels, but uh, how do you balance um, home? office and uh, new home school. Um, we're, we're all learning uh, new lessons on how to operate and all that. On one network, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's funny. My, my son is 20 feet from me doing his homework and banging things around. And they just decided to rip up the asphalt in the road in my street in front of me. So I'm trying to keep the exterior sound down. But you're right; it's a it's a new world for us. I mean, uh, who would have thought that? Who would have planned for them to rip the road up right now? It, 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 I guess it finally is infrastructure week. We waited so long; it finally came, uh, just at the worst possible. <laughs> the moment. noise of asphalt flying into into the dump truck is just killing me. Yeah, no, look, it's um, it, it it's uh, been an interesting challenge, but um, hopefully, I. Uh, We'll, we'll all get through this. Um, we're obviously learning a, a lot of lessons on everything from society all the way down to our individual level. Um, and hopefully we figure out how to apply those when we get out of this. Well, thank you, Peter. We really appreciate you being on the podcast today. And um, I also want to say thank you because you have offered our listeners a, um, the ability to purchase the book at a 35% discount, correct? Yes, that, I don't want to uh, misstate that. <laughs> that. That should That's be huge. <laughs> yeah, particularly in these days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So the people can get the book um, at all the different uh, places that they are available. Whether it's the big online platforms like Amazon and Barnes and Noble, to there's some really great uh, sites that support um, independent bookstores uh, like Indiebound and Bookshop. And then we've also been able to get for uh, listeners of the podcast a um, discount coupon through a site called Porchlight, 
Uh, and I believe there should be a link um, put available in the in the. In we'll the put it in the yes, show we'll notes. And we'll put the, it in the trailer. Yeah. yeah and the, we'll and the great and the great thing about uh, doing it um, online is obviously it respects social quarantining, uh, and they deliver it to you either be, via um, electrons or in a box in the mail. Uh, you so, can go read it on the beach if you think it's safe. <laughs> you, you can read it on the beach, or you can you can read it alone in a in a room that's been wiped down uh, with the very last um, uh, <laughs> disinfectant that you somehow found. Well, thank you, Peter. I think especially right now, while people are home and, and watching a lot of Netflix, um, reading a book is <laughs> is a good alternative, and this is a good one. So um, please um, go and check out Peter's new book. We will include all of the information in our show notes. And thank you so much um, for being uh, on the show today. We, we appreciate it. Great conversation. Thanks so much for having me on. Maybe we'll see it on Netflix at some point. Take care, Peter. And Thank thanks you. to all of our listeners uh, who tune in every week. Um, we appreciate you. P- please continue to subscribe, share it with your colleagues, friends, family, and definitely, definitely um, check out the, uh, the coupon to get uh, Peter's book. Thanks until next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.